is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for June 13th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be, man. Jeff Hardy. It's the big news story today, man. Jeff Hardy. I talked about this, and we're going to start off with the Jeff Hardy stuff because, quite honestly, Monday Night Raw was an absolute fucking disaster. There was nothing on this show that was even remotely interesting outside. One 10-minute match between AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. The WWE Championship desperately needs to be back on the show because if that's any indication of what we're going to get... On Monday night. Jesus fucking Christ, man. We got Vince McMahon's fetishes in the main event tonight, man. Vince McMahon's going to go home and uh, fucking jerk the beaver, if you know what I mean, to tonight's main event segment during Monday Night Raw. We're going to get into a little bit more of of an important situation here with Jeff Hardy. There is news that is seemingly still coming out in regards to Jeff Hardy. If you guys aren't aware... And I don't know why you would not be aware. Jeff Hardy was arrested and he got pulled over. Driving under the influence with a suspended slash revoked license. His blood alcohol content level has been revealed. And Jeff Hardy is incarcerated at this hour on $3,000 bond, I believe. Plus $3,000 plus bond in Florida. Now... Jeff Hardy, might as well start from the beginning just in case everybody's just joining and getting caught up. Jeff Hardy's been charged with driving under the influence with a canceled slash suspended slash revoked license. This is his third offense, driving under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Third offense in 10 years. Hardy is still in custody at the S. James Foxman Justice Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, and has a cash bond of $3,500. 500 for the license charges and $2,500 for the DUI. Then there were news and rumors and reports coming out about Jeff Hardy and apparently ESPN's Mark Raimondi reported today, tonight, this was before Raw, And he was able to get more information on Jeff Hardy's arrest from Florida officials. And the news is not good. None of this is good. 
Raimondi notes that per the Florida Highway Patrol arrest report, police observed a white car swerving and running off the road on Monday around 1230 a.m. An officer made the traffic stop and observed that Hardy seemed to be in a quote-unquote stupor and confused. The report adds that Hardy left his car. He was unsteady and smelled of alcohol. And through conversations with the officer, the officer learned that Hardy had been drinking. The report adds that Hardy was not able to complete the sobriety test and his blood alcohol content level was 0.294. The second reading came back at a 0.291. The legal limit to drive in the state of Florida is 0.8, which means the reading for Mr. Hardy was reading three times over the legal limit in the state of Florida. Now, this is not the only bad news for Jeff Hardy because Tony Khan is making swift action and so is Time Warner Warner Brothers Discovery. Jeff Hardy has been pulled from AEW Dynamite and advertisements for Jeff Hardy have ceased because of Warner Media telling AEW to stop all promotion of Jeff Hardy on AEW Dynamite. Now, AEW themselves have not made a statement officially on Jeff Hardy, but Dave Meltzer is reporting that Warner Media told AEW to stop all promotion of Jeff Hardy immediately this would include all commercials and jeff hardy with matt hardy have been pulled from uh, from wednesday's ladder match for the aew tag team championships that was a ladder match that was going to be between the hardys jurassic express that's jungle boy and luchasaurus and the young bucks for the aew tag team championships now i don't know if that match is still going on with a team to replace the hardys or if it's just going to be a one-team-versus-one-team uh, one match in a ladder match for the tag team titles, the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. I don't know what's going on or what Tony Khan plans to do. This is a terrible situation, man. And for everybody on social media, th- th- these people on social media, man, it really, it really irks the shit out of me how people love to get under other people's skin and they use this in a way to make it seem like it's a WWE versus AEW war between the promotions. This has nothing to do with WWE. This has nothing to do with AEW. People are blaming Tony Khan. People are blaming AEW. I told you so, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. How could you go out there and bring him into the company knowing full and well of all of his problems and all of his demons? This is a man that refused help from WWE. Flat out said no. Tony Khan brought him in, and just like everybody else, you, me, and everybody in the community felt like Jeff wanted to be near near his brother and near his family more so with the lighter schedule. And Jeff Hardy wanted to be around Matt, wanted to work with Matt, wanted to be on air, on screen with Matt, in the Hardy brothers, getting the Hardy camp back together, doing the tag team thing. Everybody thought 
he was going to be well off, better off than he's been in years working alongside Matt Hardy. Clearly, Matt Hardy cannot do it all and babysit Jeff Hardy. This is not about a fucking war between promotions. This is a man that's struggling with his demons mightily, and it doesn't have a good end in sight. And we may be reading obituaries for Jeff Hardy when all is said and done because this seems to get worse and worse and worse every single fucking time he is in the news for something like this. I do not blame Warner Media for taking the action and pulling Jeff Hardy for any reason. They got a multitude of reasons. I don't blame them at all for pulling Jeff Hardy from promotional advertisements for AEW Dynamite. This is the right thing to do. Tony Khan, I'm sure, is going to do what he needs to do and continue what Warner Media and the edict by Warner Media that was laid down. Tony Khan is going to continue to follow in their footsteps here. He's not going to go and do something else with Jeff Hardy soon after he was asked to pull all, all advertisements of Jeff Hardy from AEW television. Tony Khan has nothing to do with this. This is not Tony Khan's fault. This is not AEW's fault. This is solely on Jeff Hardy. He is a grown man, a grown individual that opted for a third time to get behind the fucking wheel of a vehicle. How he got to wherever he was before he was drinking, I don't know. Reckless, and the guy's got some fucking balls on him to get behind a wheel with a revoked license. I don't give a shit what he was doing. I don't know if he was on anything before he got behind the wheel. He may have been on something and then didn't get caught. But this guy is actively breaking the law. He got behind a wheel of a vehicle to get to wherever he was before he got caught. He was driving without a proper license. That makes him on par with fucking Tammy Sitch. He is a menace to the fucking road. He could have killed somebody. Thank God he didn't kill anybody. He could have fucking injured somebody. He could have injured himself. He could have fucking killed himself. I don't understand how these people go about doing what they do, and make the decisions that they do in that moment. I don't give a fuck what you are under. You should know, hey, I can't drink. Hey, I could drink, but I can't drive. You should know what to do. I don't give a shit. I never in my entire fucking life, and I've been bombed in my, in my lifetime several times, not on fucking purpose, but maybe you have one too many. Never in my entire life did I want to get behind a fucking wheel of a moving vehicle and fucking drive. I attempted it once in my very, very early age, man. Thank God. Thank God I got home. It was like five minutes away. It doesn't matter if it's fucking 30 seconds away. Give me a break. This shit has to stop. This is a grown man. A grown man. I'm dealing with fucking family issues that you would not even fucking comprehend about fucking drinking and driving. I will not be talking about that here because it's none of anybody's fucking business and I don't want my family to fucking hear this and then have me throw them under the fucking bus. It's bad. It's really bad. So something like this is fucking gonna hit close to home. 
This is Jeff fucking Hardy. You can't call a fucking Uber? This is Jeff Hardy. You don't have a fucking phone with contacts out the ass to get you to where you have to go? I'm sorry, I failed to comprehend why this man was behind the fucking wheel. I don't know who he was with, if he was with anybody. I hope to fucking God he wasn't with anybody. Why did he get behind the wheel? Who was he with while he was drinking? Apparently, he was alone. I don't know if I believe that at all. Who was there with him while he was drinking? There was fucking nobody. The bar owner. I don't even know where the fuck he was. Nobody on this fucking planet in this situation couldn't fucking stop Jeff Hardy. Hey, bro, uh, I need the keys, man. Yeah, yeah, get behind the fucking wheel of that vehicle, man. What do, you, what do you think you're doing? Nobody? Nobody. If he was with anybody, they are just as guilty as Jeff Hardy is. I know Jesse has made a huge topic of discussion about the Hardys. I believed him ever since he started talking about, I don't know, man, I don't want to see them at this age. At their fucking status right now, banged up, blah, 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 all this other shit, right? But I, but I believed him. But I believed him. Now I'm going to go ahead and sit in that same boat with Jesse on Wednesdays. I don't think Jeff Hardy should be wrestling anymore. I think Jeff Hardy needs to be taken off TV effective immediately. I think Jeff Hardy needs to not be employed by a fucking pro wrestling company. I don't know how long Tony Khan signed him to a fucking contract, but I think Jeff Hardy needs to do something else but but wrestle. Maybe he's drinking because he's banged up. Maybe he's drinking because he's fucking really that injured. I don't know what the fuck's going on in the man's home life, but he certainly doesn't need to be in a fucking wrestling ring. I was questioning what the fuck his status was at double or nothing. He looked a little loopy. The report came out that he got a concussion and then he got knocked out in the match early. Whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, clearly the Hardys are not all there. I think it's time we move on from the Hardys and I think it's time Jeff steps away from pro wrestling and gets the fucking help that he needs because seemingly everywhere he goes, every city that he's in, no matter what promotion he's with, there's at least one time every fucking year Jeff Hardy's going to be in the fucking news about being under the influence and getting behind the fucking wheel, having himself fucking arrested for public intoxication, whatever the case may be. One of these fucking years, we're going to be reading the headline, Jeff Hardy perishes in a fucking automobile accident because he got behind a wheel for a fourth fucking time, wasted. And I don't want to be here for that. Because nobody wants to see that happen. We all fucking love this guy. We all want to see him healthy. But the fact of the matter is that this man got behind a fucking wheel of a moving vehicle, drunk. Why wasn't there any supervision regarding him? I don't understand it. They're going to have to go the lengths of Tammy Sitch. Breathalyzer in the car. They got one of those devices that you breathe into. And if you breathe over the fucking limit, the goddamn car doesn't start. She found her ways around that. Something needs to come to an end. Something needs to come to an end. And I'm not saying this out of anger because I fucking hate the guy or I fucking disrespect, I want to disrespect the guy. This is just the fact of the matter. This is just the fact of the matter. I got family that is doing the same fucking thing. Nightly. Sooner rather than later, I'm going to be reading my own family's fucking obituary. I don't want to be reading Jeff Hardy's obituary, man. We see too many deaths 
in pro wrestling as it is for stupid fucking shit. I don't blame Warner Media, and Tony Khan needs to follow suit immediately. Tony Khan was taking on a huge liability when he signed Jeff Hardy to an AEW contract. Again, I don't know how long he signed him to an AEW contract, but I do not put that man on television anymore. Anymore. And I don't know what's going on, man. It seems like it seems like everybody kind of brushes it under the fucking table. I don't know what's going on with Matt. I don't know what's going on with his family. I don't know what's going on with his wife. I don't know what's going on with the fucking locker room. Are there people enabling this shit? I just don't know. I can't comprehend how this guy's out drinking at 1230 and nobody has the fucking wherewithal to stop this guy. Is he at a bar? Did they fucking flag him? Did the bar owner call a fucking Uber for him to get in a fucking car so he can get home safely? How did he get to the fucking bar? How did he get to wherever he was if he had a fucking revoked license? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. All you have to do is call up an Uber, get home safe. When you get home, worry about the situation in the morning, fucking get to a right state of mind, take another Uber back to the fucking car, pick up the car the next day, and drive the fucking car home. He can't even do that because he's got a fucking revoked license. Why is he behind the fucking wheel of a goddamn car if he's got a revoked license? That's what I want to know. Why does he have keys to a fucking vehicle? I don't get it. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I don't see people talking about this, man. You know, Warner Media effectively took Jeff Hardy off of television, but the Usos can commit crime after crime after crime after crime. And I don't hear or see Fox Sports taking the Usos off of television. I don't see them removing the Usos from all advertisements for SmackDown on Friday night. Why is Warner Media effective immediately issuing edicts to take Jeff Hardy off of television, but Fox Sports doesn't follow suit? Very hypocritical, huh? I don't want to hear another fucking thing about WWE versus AEW because that would be my only argument that WWE and Fox are fucking enablers. Now, the Usos could get away with it because they're a part of the Anna White family, right? No, but Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy is, is drunk under Tony Khan's watch, right, in AEW, and they effectively took him off TV. Why can't the same be said about the Usos? Why can't the same be said about the fucking Usos, Fox? Should be fucking ashamed of yourself. Everybody working there should be fucking ashamed of themselves if this could be done easily within hours of Jeff Hardy getting arrested. Then Fox should have no fucking problem doing the same thing to Jimmy and Jay Uso, which they've done it more times than Jeff Hardy. More times. Give me a fucking break. You want to make it about WWE versus AEW? Fucking try me, bitch. Try me. WWE's all innocent, right? Fox is all innocent. You want to make it about WWE versus AEW? Fuck off. Don't start with me. Jeff Hardy should be away from wrestling, period. No more. No more. I don't want to see him in AEW. I don't want to see him in WWE. I don't want to see him in House of Glory. I don't want to see him anywhere near a wrestling ring. The guy needs to go to rehab, and he needs to stay there. Stay there. 
And it should be on his fucking family to fucking force him into fucking rehab. I don't give a shit. Shit needs to be taken to the next level now. Next level. Because that's where I am with my fucking family. You don't want to listen? Then I'm going to fucking make the goddamn decisions for you. Moving on. We're going to get it to Monday Night Raw. This show sucks. Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory had a fucking pose off. Money in the Bank qualifiers with Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Doe Drop, Nikki. T-R-A-S-H. And a bunch of shit that really did not even fucking matter. But I thank you guys for joining me, man. We got 2,300 in the OTS venue. Thank you guys very, very much. Hit that thumbs up. I see 534 likes in the venue. Why? There's 2,300 fucking people here. There should be 1,000, no question. Minimum. Hit that thumbs up if you guys have not hit that thumbs up. If you guys missed any of the content on the channel, go check it out. There's extras, there's live streams, everything you missed. We were live last night for OTS 433. Go check that out. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go and follow me on social media. Jesse, listen, Jesse makes a good fucking point, man. How did Jeff Hardy even acquire a rental with no valid license? None of this makes sense. Are we bending the rules because he's Jeff Hardy? Ridiculous, man. Social media, at JD from NY206. I'm sure Jesse's going to talk about it with me on Wednesday, man. I'm sure he's got a lot of opinions about this because he's been right for weeks now in regards to the hardest. Go get your t-shirts, man. Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off The Scripts. This one you can only get on there, man. Thank you to everybody that has picked this up, man. We got a bunch of sales in the last 48 hours. I appreciate you guys very, very much. You're actively helping me out, man, when you pick up this shirt, man. And when I come to Chicago for Forbidden Door, I want to see every motherfucker wearing this shirt, man. You got time. You got time. Because I'll be in Chicago for Forbidden Door, and we'll be announcing the venue in which we are going to be doing the VIP meetup, man. And let me tell you, man, they got a... They got a damn good whiskey selection, man. But you know what? I ain't getting behind the fucking wheel of a vehicle, man. I'm about six minutes away from the United Center. It's going to be great. So join me there. I'll be announcing that tomorrow on social media. Also, today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. John Moxley has an autobiography out. It's been out for quite some time, man. Make sure you guys go. And check that out. It's coming to Audible tomorrow. You guys can pick it up for free by using our link, audibletrial.com slash script. Nine hours narrated by John Moxley himself 
And there's a couple of pipe bombs in there on. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would. Kevin Dunn himself. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And I want to thank Audible for sponsoring the show right here on OTS. And let's get into the topics at hand, man. We're going to start off with the beginning of Monday Night Raw, which was Miz TV. I don't really want to see Miz on TV. More Maurice is fine. More Maurice is fine. But Miz? No, thank you. Nobody wants to see the Miz. So we got Miz TV. He stood in the middle of the ring as fans uh, were booing. Apparently, apparently, uh, WrestleTix, the Twitter account on social media, they usually tweet out ticket information. They were in the... Let me see the, um, I don't know, I forgot the name of the arena. The uh, Intrust Arena, I believe it was called. Uh, and this was in Wichita, Kansas. WWE had a crowd tonight of 3,160. Maybe a little bit more. 3,200. We'll round it up, Vince. We'll round it up, Bruce. 3,200. This venue in Wichita, Kansas holds 16,000 people. Goes to show you that nobody wants to come out and watch Monday Night Raw if they booked a better fucking program and not have a goddamn fucking pose-off between Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory in the main event. Then, maybe people would come and spend their fucking hard-earned money to see Monday Night Raw live. Nobody gives a shit about Monday Night Raw. This show sucks. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got Ms. TV. Paul Heyman is sitting there. Camera pans over to see Paul Heyman. Miz is introducing everybody to Miz TV. And he introduces himself, does Paul Heyman. Thank Christ. He was sitting on a stool. He introduced himself. Miz thanked him for joining him in the wasteland known as Kansas. So Miz says, I couldn't possibly suck because the crowd was chanting, you suck, you suck, you suck. I'm not from Kansas. I couldn't possibly suck, he says. Heyman said, Money in the Bank is a high-risk, career-altering match, but winning it guarantees you a match anytime, anywhere. Miz said, historically, the winner cashes in successfully 85% of the time. Miz says he has cashed in 100% of the time. He said he has become champion twice by way of Money in the Bank. He said the strategy is to wait until the champion is in a grueling match and then can barely stand. So... We get Paul Heyman sitting there, and he says the champion has a look of dread on his face. 
His music hits. The champion is scared. And Paul Heyman's looking on at him, very intently watching him. He said, if the Money in the Bank contract winning plays his cards right, he will be able to catapult their career into mega stardom like he has. He said the star of the highest rated original show on the USA Network in the last year is himself, and he's going to go on to do the same thing with Money in the Bank again. He said the winner of the Money in the Bank will more than likely cash in on Roman Reigns. He looks to Paul Heyman. He looked at Heyman and said this, and Heyman is not very pleased with what Miz is saying right now. Heyman says, yes, and they shall fail in their attempts against Roman Reigns. So no matter what the percentage rate has been in the past, when Reigns has been the champion, the percentage rate goes down to zero. I would have to agree with Mr. Paul Heyman. Nobody is cashing in on Roman Reigns. Heyman says there are other pressing items to bring up tonight on Miz TV. He plugged Reigns defending against, of all people, Riddle this Friday on SmackDown. He says... He went to WWE management and counseled them on how to make the stakes even bigger. He was interrupted by Riddle's music. Riddle says he might be hearing voices, but he could have sworn he heard his name mentioned. He figured he'd come out here and hear this news firsthand straight from the horse's ass. So Miz says they demanded reverence and respect here on Miz TV. Heyman told Riddle interrupting him and Miz TV Uh, indicates he has some set of balls on you. Riddle asked Miz how his balls are doing after last week's segment where he stripped him down to his underwear and Maurice had to tender his balls. He said neither Heyman nor Reigns knows what he is capable of. He said the bloodline tried to end his career and might have ended Randy's career, so Reigns will have to kill him to stop him from taking the title on Friday. He got red in the face. He got very angry. I think Matt Riddle is great when he's intense and angry. Heyman told Riddle he has a lot of momentum going his way, but it will be stopped dead in its tracks on Friday by Roman Reigns, your tribal chief. He said he respects Riddle, but he can't beat Reigns. He says he doesn't think he can beat his opponent tonight. He said on behalf of Reigns, he arranged for a stipulation. He said if he beats Reigns on Friday, he will be the new undisputed Universal WWE Champion. He said when he loses to Reigns, he won't get another title shot at Reigns as long as Roman Reigns is the champion. Heyman then pointed to the stage and out came the Usos. Heyman then said to Matt Riddle, it is do or die. I like the stipulation. Typically, WWE, they would fuck that up and say, well, if Riddle loses, he can't get another WWE title shot ever again. I'm glad they didn't fuck that up. So it's only when Roman Reigns is the WWE Universal Champion. And who's to say that WWE doesn't split the titles off into two separate titles once again, which I, at this point, hope that they do. Because right now, having the titles on Roman Reigns and him being off fucking TV for four straight weeks, is not really beneficial to the company whatsoever. I like this match, and I'm very excited to see this match because when Roman is in a big match situation, you know how great he is. He's been great all this run. When it comes down to those big matches, he's been fantastic. Matt Riddle has been fantastic since he got called up from NXT. I'm glad that he was one of the guys, believe it or not, I thought he was going to fucking flounder. I thought WWE was going to write this guy off as a joke. But this guy has absolutely ascended 
quite nicely on WWE television to a point where I do believe at one point, one day, he will be a WWE champion. It would be foolish of them not to give him the WWE championship. That's how good Matt Riddle is. He's a little cheesy, yes, but it's fun-loving, and it's him. That's why we love him so much, because what you see on TV is legitimately how he is, and I appreciate that. He didn't really deviate away from who he really is, and I truly believe that's what got him to this point on WWE television. He's going to have a great match with Roman Reigns. No doubt about it. It's going to go 20 minutes. It's going to be a great match. They're going to build the entire show around it, as they should, and it's going to be a fantastic match. I don't understand why we needed Miz TV to sell this match on Friday. Miz here was nothing more than self-promotion for Miz and Mrs., and I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. It's not my type of show. It's not my demographic. I don't watch Miz TV in any part of my day at all. I haven't watched one episode of Miz TV in fucking three seasons. It's not my show. But they needed the Miz out there to kind of, uh, I guess, navigate a Miz TV segment with Paul Heyman and Matt Rowe. Why didn't we just start the fucking show with Paul Heyman talking about the title match on Friday? Being that Roman Reigns is holding Monday Night Raw's championship hostage. It doesn't matter. By default, Roman Reigns is now a Monday Night Raw superstar. So if you have Paul Heyman start Monday Night Raw, it makes no fucking difference. Roman Reigns, by default, is a Monday Night Raw guy. It wouldn't have been out of place at all. We didn't need Miz TV to fucking navigate a Matt Riddle, Paul Heyman promo for Friday's WWE Championship match with Roman Reigns. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought that was a complete waste of everybody's fucking time. And to be quite honest with you, additionally, I don't think Miz should be in the money in the bank. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen it. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody. I could think of fucking five other guys off the top of my fucking head that I'd rather see from Monday Night Raw in the money in the bank, and none of them include the, include the Miz. None of them. So I don't know why he's out there talking about money in the bank. I don't give a fuck what he's done in the past. I don't want to see him in this year's match. Shut up. I'm sorry. None of that interests me whatsoever. We didn't need Miz TV to sell this segment. Paul Heyman would have been perfectly fine on his own. I did talk about the WWE Championship situation coming out of this match on Friday with Matt Riddle. You know, Roman Reigns doesn't really have a shortage of opponents in WWE. If they use their fucking brains correctly, WWE has the rest of the year, possibly through the Royal Rumble, set for Roman Reigns. It's up to them to put that plan into action and execute. Now, clearly, we have Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns happening at the Clash of the Castle show in Cardiff, Wales. I don't think... I don't think Drew McIntyre is going to beat Roman Reigns for both of those championships. That would be absolutely fucking... one of the worst creative decisions that WWE's ever made. Now, we're not wasting Roman Reigns dropping both titles. He didn't hold the fucking titles for 700 fucking days... To drop them to Drew McIntyre. I'm sorry. No matter how great Drew is and how fucking awesome Drew is, he's great. We're not holding the titles for 700 fucking days to drop it to Drew McIntyre. I said this on Sunday's show. Why would Roman Reigns, why would Roman Reigns defend the fucking titles and put both titles on the line at the same time? I don't get why he would do that. That's not the way Roman Reigns won the titles. He won the universal title, and this was fucking lame. 
because at that point, it didn't really make sense. Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, had what was theoretically a one-on-one match. It was supposed to be a triple threat match, but Roman Reigns came in at the very last minute and signed the contract 15 minutes into the fucking match starting. That should have voided the fucking contract out. The contract was only valid until the match started. When the bell rang, ding, 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 then the contract was null and void. But WWE put Roman Reigns to that match. He won the title from Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, pinning Braun Strowman, and he's been the universal champion ever since. He won the title in a triple threat match against Strowman and Bray Wyatt. He won the WWE title from Brock Lesnar. So why would he put both titles on the line against Drew McIntyre ultimately putting him at risk to lose both championships at one fucking time in one match when that's not how he won both championships. So shouldn't he do that and award whoever he's in the ring with with that honor as well? You know, they aren't unified. If they were unified, WWE would have ushered in a new championship, the unified title, right? They're not unified. WWE has not unified these fucking titles. If they were unified, we'd have one belt. WWE still has Roman Reigns parading around with two belts. So they're not unified. So WWE, that's all they have to do. Put one title on the line at Roman Reigns defend the Universal Championship while not defending the WWE title. That leaves the WWE Championship open for Reigns to take to Raw while Drew McIntyre navigates the seas, the very rocky seas, on Friday night. And he can concentrate on Raw. Meanwhile, Drew McIntyre can defend that title against Gunther and whoever else is fucking over there by the time that happens. Roman Reigns can go to Monday Night Raw. He's got no shortage of opponents. AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Edge, Cody when he comes back. I just booked Roman Reigns for the rest of the fucking year. Why would you have Roman Reigns drop both championships in one shot to Drew McIntyre? That would fuck up legitimately every aspect of your creative if you give both championships to Drew McIntyre. Why would you give both championships to Drew McIntyre when nothing revolving around Drew McIntyre being champion makes sense? I don't understand it. The title that you should be building for is the WWE Championship, or building around, I should say, and Roman versus Cody is the match that you should be aiming for. That's the only thing that really matters here. How do we get Roman from point A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Humberto, to Cody Rhodes and WrestleMania? That's how you do it. That's how you do it. One title, not two. Why would he do such a ridiculous, mind-numbingly dumb fucking thing? And we talked about this on yesterday's podcast. They are not unified. I don't want to hear anybody tell me they are unified. They're not unified. They are described as the undisputed universal WWE heavyweight champion. If they were unified, believe me, Paul Heyman would have uttered the word unified. Jimmy Uso, Jay Uso, the other alcoholics, the other drunks are out there who clearly didn't get any fucking slap on the wrist from Fox, but Warner Media brought down the hammer on Jeff Hardy. Good to know one company's doing the right thing and the other, they just sweep it under the rug. Jimmy Uso versus Montez Ford. I love how WWE gives the Usos both the Raw and the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And we have still, to this day, singles matches with challenger and champion. You would think that they gave the Usos both Tag Team Championships, that the division would be better off for it. 
They gave both sets of championships to the Usos to have absolutely nothing change or nothing be different in regards to how the tag team championships look on Monday and Friday night. There's not one new team built up. There's not one fucking team striving that's new to go after the Usos. It's the New Day, and then it's the fucking Street Profits, and it's Riddle and Orton for fucking months, and then Riddle and Nakamura. Nothing's new. Nothing's new. What a complete disaster the tag team division is. So this is WWE's MO. We're building towards a tag team match. The Street Profits already got their tag team title shot in the bank. It's happening at Money in the Bank because the Street Profits beat the Usos by fucking countout in a championship contenders match. I never heard of such stupidity. Never in my life did I hear hear of a championship contenders match ending with the Street Profits or somebody winning a number one contendership by fucking countout. So we got Jimmy Uso versus Montez Ford. Wasn't bad. Both teams are very good at what they do. All four guys are very good at what they do. Jimmy gave Ford a vertical suplex on the edge of the ring, on the ring apron. It's the hardest part of the ring. I'm not sure if you guys were aware. Ford fought back with a back suplex. They exchanged some strikes back and forth until Montez hit an enziguri. He went for a cover, only got a two count. He did a spine buster, got a two count. Jimmy responded with a pop-up Samoan drop for two. Montez got some serious height on the Samoan drop, which looked great. Jimmy shoved Ford into the ring post, but Montez dodged a splash, and Jimmy crashed into the post himself. Ford brought Jimmy down from the top rope of the Hurricanrana, but Jimmy got his knees up on the frog splash, and he applied a roll-up on Montez off the frog splash, and he got the win one, two, three. I'm shocked. I'm legitimately shocked that WWE... I hate the fact that we got a singles fucking match between these two teams because it's, it's WWE's M.O., to do singles matches between two feuding tag teams that ultimately lead to the tag team title match of the pay-per-view. I fucking hate it, okay? But I'm genuinely shocked that the Usos, A, won a match, and B, WWE made sense of this, even though it's shit. This match shouldn't have happened, but they, and I want to give, I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt, I never want to say that, but I would assume that they were thinking, well, the Street Profits already got the tag team title match in the bag, got money in the bank, So why do we need to beat the Usos in these one-on-one generic fucking they-don't-need-to-happen matches on the way to the pay-per-view? So Jimmy beats Montez clean because the Street Profits already have a championship match coming to them, and there's no reason why Montez needs to beat Jimmy. Now, next week, it's going to be different. We'll get Angelo Dawkins versus Jey Uso. I'm I'm assuming Angelo Dawkins is going to beat Jey Uso, because they have to do everything 50-50 right down the fucking middle. And then we'll get the Usos retaining the tag team championships at the pay-per-view. Because if Roman isn't losing the championship right now, then the Usos are not losing the championships either. But expect Montez Ford and Jimmy Uso after tonight. We're going to get Angelo Dawkins and Jay Uso next week. Because that's the Bruce special. So whatever you see, just do the same thing with the other two guys next week. That's Bruce Pritchard booking one-on-one. We're going to long video recap of Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Still talking about this Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins angle. Let's move the fuck on, okay? We don't need to talk about Cody Rhodes anymore. He got surgery last Thursday. He's on the road to recovery. He's going to be rehabilitating for the next five to six months. Let's leave his name where it needs to be 
and not utter his name every fucking week because he did the unthinkable and wrestled with a torn peck, completely torn peck, at Hell in a Cell. Let's now focus our attention on how great Seth Rollins is. So we got a promo here, sit-down promo, with Kevin Patrick. He interviewed Seth Rollins about what he said and what he did to Cody last week. Seth said Patrick might not understand, but please try to follow along. He said what he said to Cody last week was genuine and from the heart, but Cody is a virus. So is Bruce to the creative team. I don't see anybody doing anything about that. Sometimes in life, you have to make unpopular decisions. When nobody's on your side, sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands. Seth said Cody was becoming a danger to WWE and to himself. He said he takes pride in what he accomplished last week. Patrick then asked, what is next? Seth said he might have to try and top it. Patrick noted that he was scheduled to face AJ Styles tonight in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Seth says he expects a hell of a fight tonight because AJ is one of the best in the world. But he might have to do to him what he did to Cody if he plans to stand in his way of his destiny at Money in the Bank. He then began laughing, and all of a sudden, Styles leapt out of the fucking frame and jumped on Seth, elbowing him in the face, knocking him off the chair, and Styles looked at Seth down on the ground after knocking him out of the chair during the interview and said, that one was for Cody. I like that. It was unpredictable. I didn't expect that to happen. It's not like WWE to kind of throw that in there, that little risque, you know, interference there during an interview and knock someone out during an interview segment. I quite like that. I like more of that on my TV. I thought that was fantastic. Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke out of catering for the next uh, five minutes or so. Uh, She put blueberry muffins in the oven, so she had some time to kill. Dana Brooke made her way to the ring, and I mute the channel immediately because we got Dana Brooke versus Becky Lynch for the 24-7 championship. Why? Why are we getting this again? Everybody bitched and moaned and complained about Becky Lynch. Everybody but me. I don't give a fuck where Becky Lynch is. I'd rather her be off television than on TV. But everybody complained. How could you do this to Becky Lynch? She was the Raw Women's Champion for all these months. Now she's in a program with Dana Brooke. It's not a fucking program. It's just WWE biding their time before they strike with the Becky Lynch narrative and the Becky Lynch agenda again. So please calm the fuck down. So we got this match, and it wasn't really even a thing. I don't even think the match got started, to be quite honest with you. We got Dana Brooke and Becky Lynch. The match never started. Both women made their regular entrances. Lynch attacked Brooke before the bell. Apparently, she wanted cranberry nut muffins and not blueberry. I don't know. That led to Becky chance from the crowd because clearly everybody just can't stand Dana Brooke, and rightfully so. Lynch drove Brooke into the barricade and stomped her head into the announce table. Lynch then takes the microphone and says, I'm very angry. I'm very angry. My little hobbitses. My precious. God, she's fucking awful. Jesus fucking Christ. She says she's pissed about how she's been treated. Lynch also recalled 
The last time she was in a Money in the Bank match, she was cheated and robbed out of the briefcase. She said things would be different this year. She was about to go back and attack Dana Brooke again because apparently Dana Brooke forgot the nuts in the cranberry nut muffins. I don't know what to tell you, Dana. I don't know what to tell you. That's a rookie amateur mistake there, Dana. You can't be forgetting that. Not on Titus's watch. Not on Titus's watch. Come on. I prefer banana nut. If you could do that for me, honey, please. I, I'd really appreciate it. She was about to attack Dana Brooke again, but Asuka comes dancing down the ring and she's doing her fucking shit. Asuka, another cringe act on Monday Night Raw. I can't stand either one of these fucking women. So she gets there and she teases getting in there with, with Becky Lynch. Tired of Asuka and Becky Lynch. Apparently, Asuka got the better of Becky Lynch here with a series of strikes, sending Becky to retreat up the ringside aisle. And then at the same time she was retreating up the aisle, Alexa Bliss came down the aisle and they had some words. So I'm assuming that we're going to get Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss in the ladder match again. Because if you guys remember that one year Alexa Bliss won the Money in the Bank ladder match, who did she shove off the ladder to go up and retrieve the briefcase? It was Becky Lynch. So I'm assuming we're going to get Becky Lynch winning the Money in the Bank. I would not be shocked if Becky wins it for the women and Seth wins it for the men. Just like Britt Baker won the Owen Cup for the women and Adam Cole, baby, won it for the men. I could see WWE doing the same exact thing for the Money in the Bank. This shit sucks. I don't care about anything that's going on here with Becky Lynch or Oscar. So we got Liv Morgan and Alexa Bliss, who was already making her way out to the ring right by Becky Lynch versus Joe Drop and Nikki T.R. A.S.H. Nikki came out wearing an all-black superhero outfit. Now, I don't know. Mikaze does a fantastic job, by the way. With everything that he does, Mikaze's awesome. Okay? But does WWE really think that moving away from the blue outfit for Nikki TR, ASH, and going with the black is going to make her look any less cringe? She's out there pretending to be a babyface while she's playing the role of a heel with Dodrop. Drop is out there with Nikki Ash. Clearly, they were going to lose this match, and that's exactly what happened here. Nikki and Drop do not advance to Money in the Bank. This was a Money in the Bank qualifying match. So Bliss hot-tagged in Liv for a couple of minutes. She went after Drop very aggressively with a drop kick and some strong strikes. Liv tagged Bliss back in, and she went for a cover on Drop. Wasn't going to work that way, honey. Wasn't going to work that way. You went for the Drop. Give me a break. Come on now. You should know better, Alexa. Nikki broke up the cover. Nikki and Dodrop double-slammed Bliss, but Morgan broke up the cover. Dodrop yanked Morgan out to the floor and slammed her down to the mat. Morgan avoided a uh, running senton from Dodrop on the floor. Nikki kicked Morgan before she could, back, could get back onto the ring apron. Uh, Bliss then caught Nikki with a DDT for the win. And that was pretty much it. Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan qualify for the women's Money in the Bank match. So we got Lacey Evans, Liv Morgan, and Alexa Bliss all qualifying so far for the women's money in the bank. Alexa Bliss, uh, obviously an odds-on favorite. So is Liv Morgan. I think she should definitely get a look at winning money in the bank. I don't think that's going to happen. Oscar versus Becky Lynch is signed, sealed, and delivered for next week 
as a qualifying match. That makes, what was it, five times now in the last month that these two women have gone one-on-one in a wrestling ring since Asuka's come back? I mean, come on now. Come on now. Rinse and repeat by WWE. Um, I don't like this. I don't like this. Not that I don't like Liv Morgan being in Money in the Bank. I could give a shit less about fucking Alexa Bliss. But I don't like how this should, uh, or how WWE went about this. It should have went in a much different way. Now, I would have done Alexa Bliss versus Liv Morgan, and I would have done Dodrop versus Nikki Ash. That's what I would have done. I would have done a qualifying match with Dodrop versus Nikki Ash. But WWE didn't do that because the investment from the crowd side of things towards both of these women right now is at fucking zero. Nobody gives a shit about these two. So why would you put them in a one-on-one match where nobody doesn't give a shit about either women? But I would have done Dodrop versus Nikki Ash simply for the fact of getting Dodrop into the money in the bank and have her destroy Nikki Ash and kind of teach Nikki Ash a lesson because clearly she hasn't gotten the fucking memo. Why is she still coming out dressed as a superhero when Dodrop specifically told her, you're a fucking joke and we're going nowhere Based on the way you are dressed, you need to start acting like a big girl and you need to start taking things a little bit more seriously. That could have been the catalyst for Dodrop to beat Nikki Ash and get rid of this fucking gimmick. Holy shit. Does anybody find this shit interesting? I'm still I'm still waiting for all the fucking people that claimed when we first saw this gimmick. Oh, if anyone's going to get it over, it's going to be Nikki Ash. Clearly... She's done a piss-poor job at getting it over, and it fucking sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry once again that I was right, and you were wrong. It doesn't belong on our television. I'm not fucking four years old. Moving on. I'm riled up tonight, yes. I'm in rare form this evening. This is what makes my show better than everybody's, man. When I'm this way... And I'm in this mode. Ezekiel. Ezekiel one-on-one with Kevin Owens. This went three minutes after last week's... I think it went about three minutes, right? And it went longer than three minutes. I I feel like it went longer than three minutes. Went about, what, five, six minutes? Whatever the case, man. We got three minutes of it on fucking TV because there was a fucking commercial break in between. But Kevin Owens and Ezekiel... Last week, Kevin Owens wanted Ezekiel to tell the truth. He wanted Ezekiel to admit that he was really Elias. He did, but he lied to Kevin Owens. And in between that, if Kevin Owens got what he wanted, he would give Ezekiel a rematch. Great. He got his rematch, but Ezekiel said he lied. So we got a rematch tonight. Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. So we get this match happening tonight, and we got a commercial break. There was a frog splash by Kevin Owens off the apron during a break, and he was in control coming back from the break. Owens went for a senton, but Ezekiel got his knees up. Ezekiel followed with a fallaway slam, stinger splash, and a jumping knee. Ezekiel tried for a running splash as Owens was leaning against the post, but Owens moved and Ezekiel crashed into the post. Owens fell out of the ring and yelled at the announcers about Elias because he overheard the uh, commentators calling him Ezekiel, so every time Byron Saxton or Jimmy Smith were calling him Ezekiel, he overheard them say uh, Ezekiel, and he was yelling that his name was Elias, which I found to be completely hilarious. I just love when he gets angry that people are calling him Ezekiel, and he truly believes he is Elias. He was enraged. 
He jumped on the announce table. He was throwing everything off the announce table, destroying the announce table. He jumped on the announce table, and he got counted out. So Ezekiel wins by countout over Kevin Owens. I don't really understand why this was the outcome of the match. So I guess they wanted to protect Kevin Owens because we're moving away from this, hopefully very, 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 very soon. And Ezekiel is going to be put in the Money in the Bank ladder match at some point, I believe. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. WWE had Ezekiel cut a promo in the middle of the ring, and he's there with the microphone. He wants to speak to all his Zeke freaks. He says he's not done with Owens, but he wants to talk about Money in the Bank. He's so Zeked up about it. I don't know who's writing this shit, man, but Jesus fucking Christ, they truly do believe we are four years old. He says he talked to his older brother, Elias. He says he is so excited about Money in the Bank that he's coming to Monday Night Raw next week. He said Elias is looking good, and he can promise everyone that he cannot wait to remind the entire world that WWE stands for Walk with Elias. Owens is yelling from the stage that Elias is already there because Ezekiel is Elias. Folks, WWE is hyping up a fucking musical concert next week with Elias on Monday Night Raw. I don't know how they're going to pull this shit off. I don't know what they got planned. If it's going to be Elias, somebody dressed up as Elias, cosplay Elias. I don't know what they have planned for this. But the only way, the only way this is going to work next week and we see Elias is if, A, it's CGI'd and we got a fucking, like, one of the monograms of Elias, right? That's not going to be realistic. We need to see a physical, fucking, live, breathing human being on next week's show. The only way this fucking works is if WWE has filmed a vignette, or a fucking concert with Elias when he was actually Elias, with Ezekiel when he was actually Elias months ago. And WWE has been storing this for next week's show exactly. Now, I don't think that's the case. I don't think WWE is even smart enough to fucking think of a storyline for something like this with someone like Ezekiel and go to the lengths of that to produce that for next week's show. This isn't a smart group of people when it comes to creative, and they're not overly creative to begin with. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, but in my natural way of watching WWE, clearly I call bullshit, and clearly they are clickbaiting you for next week's show. So it's either that WWE filmed a fucking vignette months ago when Ezekiel still had the Elias shtick and they got him filmed playing guitar somewhere for a live musical concert or they're going to fucking CGI this guy into the show and it's going to come off as fucking ridiculous. WWE, like I said for weeks, does not have an ending in sight for this storyline and angle. They didn't. So I don't even know why they embarked on doing something that clearly does not have a fucking outcome. There's no conclusion. Omos. Omos benched me on social media. Omos has given me the giant Nigerian block on social media. I don't know what I could have done, man. 
Can someone please fill me in on what am I, uh, what I did for, uh, for, uh, this block by, uh, the mighty, uh, I don't know what I could have done, man. Someone please fill me in on what I could have said. Almas an MVP. Jesus fucking Christ, man. I always have the urge to, st- to take a steaming fucking shit or one big fucking leak when Omas comes on television, man. I'll find anything to do when Omas is on television. Seriously. Take out the recycle. Take out the trash. I'll do that. Clean the cat box. Clean both cat boxes. Clean both cat boxes plus the other cat box that I got stored away. That's not even fucking filled with litter, man. I'll fucking clean it just for the sake of cleaning it. Because Omos is on television, man. I'll go in the basement and I'll fucking go reorganize all my fucking whiskey glasses. I'll do that when Omos is on television. I'll go take a fucking nap for five minutes, man. Anything is better than watching Omos on my television. I'll go do the laundry. I'll go fold my laundry. I'll go fucking wash my face and brush my teeth. Get ready for bed fucking four hours before I go to bed. I'll do anything when Omos is on television, man. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Why is this guy gracing us with his fucking miserable presence on fucking TV? WWE wants to think he's the next coming of Andre the Giant, man. Give me a fucking... I never heard anything so fucking ridiculous in my entire life, man. Holy shit. MVP certainly getting Omos over, right? MVP did so great with Bobby Lashley. This is making MVP look like a fucking piece of shit. Omos is dead. This guy hit his ceiling when it was raw underground, yet they wanted to turn this guy into a fucking main attraction on the main roster. He's a main roster failure. He's a main roster failure. I don't even think he belongs on NXT 2.0. That's how fucking terrible Omos is. Andre the Giant. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. Andre hears that, man. He's laughing in his fucking grave. How long has he been fucking gone? Holy shit. MVP talking about Cedric Alexander. What the fuck are you talking about Cedric Alexander for, man? This guy's going to be on uh, the phone list. Johnny Ace looking at the phone list. Uh, oh, yeah, Cedric. Oh, uh, Cedric Alexander, uh, you've been a uh, future endeavor. I'll see you on dark. People power. Johnny Laurinaitis. Cedric Alexander. Why is this guy still employed? Why is this guy still employed, man? I don't, I don't get it. WWE just trotting this guy out there to fucking embarrass him per usual, man. So he's saying how it's his time now and said it never works out like he hopes. He said he belongs down with the bottom feeders while he and Omos belong up where the Money in the Bank briefcases are hanging. Cedric comes out to the ring and believe it or not, Cedric Alexander got an actual entrance with theme music. So MVP beats Cedric Alexander in three minutes. I guess it's better than Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, huh? Whatever the fuck happened last week, we didn't get any of that this week. But MVP beats Cedric Alexander in three minutes. Not good for Cedric. He will be future endeavored by Johnny Laurinaitis when all is said and done. Why don't we move Cedric Alexander back down to NXT, man? We had no problem moving Apollo Crews back down there. Why can't we move Cedric Alexander back down to NXT? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's on the phone list for Johnny Laurinaitis. It's great. 
This shit sucks, man. Quick, easy, and a burial, man. So not only has Omos buried Cedric in several weeks, and now we got MVP, who's not even an active pro wrestler on the fucking main roster. Uh, he's, a, he's a fucking manager. He's beating Cedric in three minutes. This guy will be where Big Swole is before he knows it. AJ Styles. Seth Rollins, money in the bank qualifying match. This was easily, and and I mean easily, the best thing on the entire show. But we've seen this how many fucking times before, man? It doesn't even feel special. I, I appreciate the fact that there are stakes on the line and there's something on the line here. But how many times in the past have we seen this? Way too many for it to be really, really, really special. Styles was dominating in the early portion of this match. Rollins escaped to the outside, so Styles ran after him. He got suckered into an attack once he got back into the ring. Typical heel style by Seth Rollins. Rollins followed with a suicide dive, sending Styles over the announce desk, and we got to commercial break. So, Rollins, he is in control here, and Styles fights back. He's coming back with some strikes and a face buster for two. Rollins responded with some super kicks. Rollins is, he's in control. Back and forth they go. Styles countered a stomp from Rollins into a calf crusher, but Rollins got to the ropes to break the hold. Rollins hit in Zaguri. Styles came back with his signature Pele kick. Back and forth we go until Styles gave Rollins a vertical suplex into the turnbuckles for two. Rollins, he ducked a phenomenal forearm attempt before using a chop block on AJ Styles because he came down on the knee and saw the opening and chop blocked the knee. Rollins went for a pedigree, but Styles reversed it into a fireman's carry neckbreaker for a near fall. Rollins hit a buckle bomb. He goes up top, misses a frog splash. Nobody was home. Styles went for a Styles clash, but Rollins counted it and cradled him for a pinfall. And that was it. Seth Rollins wins his qualifying match. He goes on to the money in the bank ladder match, and Seth Rollins is my easy, easy, no matter who is in it, easy choice for money in the bank. They're advertising Rollins and Becky on the poster. Those are your winners, Rollins and Becky. Book it. Riddle. Matt Riddle. He goes one-on-one with Tommaso Ciampa. I didn't think this was that bad. It went four minutes. It could have easily went fucking 15 minutes, and I would have been very, very happy. If this was Triple H booking this show, these two probably would have went 15 fucking minutes. If Triple H was booking this show, Tommaso Ciampa wouldn't be as fucking dead as uh, a fucking... uh, He wouldn't be as dead as uh, Ali on this show. I, I I don't understand how you have Tommaso fucking Ciampa on your show, and this is the best that you have for Tommaso Ciampa. So they went four minutes. This was basically Tommaso Ciampa being used in a veteran role because he's great and he can bring anybody to a fucking great match. And they're using him to put over everybody else while not really giving him anything to really feed off of. So they had this match because Ciampa attacked Riddle last week. So let's do the typical match this week. Back and forth they went. Ciampa stomped Riddle's foot, hit a DDT to get some Control of the match. Riddle came back with a Randy Orton uh, power slam, draping DDT just like Orton. Riddle tried for an RKO, but Champa blocked it, applied an ankle lock. He wrenched on Riddle's toes, rammed his leg and his feet into the mat before hitting a running knee strike. 
He went for a near fall, got a two count. Riddle hit his ripcord knee, followed up with a floating bro, and an RKO for the one, two, three. For the time that they had, it was very good. I could have watched another five, six, seven minutes of this thing, and I would have been very content. Tommaso Ciampa is being absolutely wasted on the main roster, and if you don't value Tommaso Ciampa on Monday Night Raw, I don't know what the fuck we're doing with Tommaso Ciampa up on the main roster. It makes me really, really question how they fucking view talent. Because he's old. He's 37 years old. Why? Because he's got gray in his beard. I don't understand what the fucking problem is with Tommaso Ciampa. They don't have any real plans for Tommaso Ciampa. And it's a story going around after Monday Night Raw tonight. There was talk of Tommaso Ciampa joining Judgment Day a few weeks ago while Edge was still the leader of the group. There were no hints of that direction. And still, I don't think Tommaso Ciampa is going to end up in Judgment Day now that Edge has been kicked out. It probably would have been an Edge decision to bring him on into the group. And now it's a WWE group, and they're not going to give Tommaso Ciampa a spot in Judgment Day. He's been featured primarily on main event. He hasn't been in a feud on the main roster since his debut a few months ago. Not really a feud of any substance at all. He's been here. He's been there against Ali, against Riddle, against Miz, whatever the case may be. This past weekend, that live event, Champa was booked to lose matches to fucking Ezekiel. They booked this guy at house shows to lose to Ezekiel, unless this is part of some fucking master plan to rehab Champa and eventually push him up the card, it doesn't look like Vince McMahon has, has any major plans for Tommaso Ciampa. I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. The sexism and the ageism in WWE is flat out disgusting. If you don't look like a fucking typical blonde with fucking big tits and ass, you ain't going anywhere in WWE. If you don't look like a fucking cover model who gets 5.7 million views on TikTok, you're not going anywhere. If you don't look like, I don't know, who's their favorite? If you don't look like Roman Reigns, you ain't going anywhere. Tommaso Ciampa doesn't have big tits and a big ass, and Tommaso Ciampa doesn't look like Roman Reigns. So clearly, they got no fucking plans for Tommaso Ciampa. Why is Champa being buried on Monday Night Raw? The answer is very simple, folks. The answer is very simple. Tommaso Champa is being used in the most minor way, without any real clear direction, without any substance, because, you guessed it, because Tommaso Champa is forever the heart of black and gold. Tommaso Champa, at the end of the business day, is a Triple H guy. And you know how they look on the main roster. You know what Bruce Pritchard's edict is for Triple H guys, right? Dead. Dead. Tommaso Ciampa's a Triple H guy, so Tommaso Ciampa has no fucking shot, no hope of succeeding on the main roster. And that's a fucking crime. That is downright creative malpractice. Tommaso Ciampa may be pound for pound one of the best guys that they have fucking employed up and down all three fucking brands on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Friday. Tommaso Ciampa gave you his fucking life for the last nine 
goddamn fucking years. However long he's been there. Black and gold was at its peak. Never, never better. Baltimore Champa was NXT champion. This man is the greatest NXT champion that will ever live. This man was the greatest heel in the business when he was heel on NXT as champion, when he wasn't champion, when NXT was on the network for one hour. And now you have him wrestling T-Bag on main event. You have him wrestling fucking Riddle, losing, putting Riddle over as Riddle, as if Riddle needs any fucking enhancements on his way to Roman Reigns in the Universal Championship match that we're getting on Friday. Creative malpractice! How you have somebody like Champa and you don't embrace who he is and what he is so that you can give your brand that is dying for fucking talents at three hours on Monday night any additional fucking oomph, right? You don't have any plans for Tommaso Ciampa. You don't value him on a three-hour show to a point where you are saying to everybody, yeah, we need stars on the main roster. You got one right here. What's the fucking problem? What's the problem? Oh, yeah, that's right. Vince McMahon is, uh, is riddled with ageism. Yeah, I have a fucking ageism problem, too. The fucking people running this show should not be where they are because they are well past their fucking prime and they are completely out of touch with the fucking audience. Get Vince, get Bruce, and get people power out of there. Gone. Bullshit. The fact that this man's even employed by you, you should be fucking fortunate to have somebody like Tommaso Ciampa. And this is the best you got? This show sucks. Fuck this company and fuck this show. Bianca Belair. She had an in-ring promo. And she talked about facing Rhea Ripley at Judgment Day. At uh, Judgment Day, I wish. At uh, fucking uh, Money in the Bank. Talking about Rhea Ripley in Judgment Day. Kevin Patrick interviewed Bianca Belair about facing Rhea Ripley. She said she's shown a lot more of a vicious side since joining the Judgment Day. Or they should call them the misjudgment day. Because I don't understand why they kicked out Edge from the group. Bella says she's prepared for anything. She says she stays ready so she doesn't have to get ready. She says she's at the forefront of the new generation of women in WWE. She said ever since Ripley joined the judgment day, she seems soulless and she doesn't recognize her. Wow, Bianca. Wow. She's soulless, and she doesn't recognize Rhea Ripley anymore. That's quite funny coming from you, right? I don't recognize this show anymore after years and years and years of fucking being one of the worst programs on television. You want to talk about soulless? That's the way Bruce Pritchard writes. That's Bruce Pritchard booking 101. Soulless. Nice choice of words there, Bianca. She said if she is trying to uh, intimidate her, she's not the woman for that. She said she doesn't talk the talk. She walks the walk. She's going to walk out champion at Money in the Bank. And then she was interrupted by Rhea Ripley, who was clearly, and I mean this, go back and watch it, because I noticed it right away, because they fixated on her fucking face the entire promo. 
and you look at the eyes, man. Where is Rhea Ripley's eyes looking? Are they looking directly in the fucking camera? No, they're looking across the screen. They're looking this way. They're looking that way. They're looking this way. Then they're looking at the center. Then they're looking this way. Then they're looking that way. Rhea Ripley, go back and watch it, was reading this promo from a fucking teleprompter. Seriously, Rhea Ripley was reading this promo from a teleprompter. And what has been my main criticism of Rhea Ripley on the main roster? She's great in the ring. She's very admirable, serviceable in the ring. It is her promo that is the fucking problem. She's reading from a teleprompter, and she sounds when she's live on television that she's reading from a fucking teleprompter. It sounds like she's reading from a fucking teleprompter. She's reading the scripts that they've written for her, and there's no fucking emotion. God, this show sucks. How could you expect Rhea Ripley to emit the proper fucking emotion towards Bianca Belair if she's basically reading the words off of a fucking teleprompter written for her by somebody that obviously doesn't know what her fucking gimmick is. Seriously, this is inexcusable. Inexcusable. And that's Rhea Ripley's fucking problem. I, I, I joke around every fucking week, and that's exactly what they gave us. Teleprompter, Rhea Teleprompter Ripley is her new name. What a joke. A complete joke. And nobody's going to call this out because they're afraid of losing their fucking status with WWE Public Relations. Shit is awful. Ripley said Judgment Day speaks through their actions. as she's reading this teleprompted promo. Finn Balor says, and he even sounded like he was reading a fucking teleprompter. They were all reading a fucking promo off a teleprompter. Yes, because Edge needed to be taken out of the group, right? He didn't want to do the fucking hocus-pocus fucking magic that they want the, 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 the judgment date to do. I don't fucking blame him. Finn Balor says they do what they want when they want. We're tired of playing nice and taking orders. Yeah, nice try, Finn. That's why we removed Edge from his pedestal and removed him from the judgment day. Damian Priest said Edge had the right idea when he formed the judgment day. It was meant to be a movement for those who were tired of living their lives as others. He said Edge's actions contradicted his own mission statement. He said he acted as their leader, but taught them not to do as they were told. So he sealed his own fate. It still doesn't make it make any more sense. This this was a six-person tag team match on Hell in a Cell Sunday where Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, and Edge beats Finn Balor, Liv Morgan, and AJ Styles. Edge pinned Balor. Then the next night on Monday Night Raw, they have a problem by kicking Edge out of the group because he is their weakness and he's holding them back. So what WWE basically did the following night was tell everybody that Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley would rather be associated with a loser in Finn Balor. Because they won on Sunday night and they dumped their leader who led them to victory to ultimately join Finn Balor who got the pinfall loss on Sunday and is a loser. Yet I'm supposed to believe Damian Priest this week and Rhea Ripley this week and Finn Balor this week and why they got rid of Edge. 
This shit is fucking written by a bunch of fucking people who were probably just as under the influence as Jeff Hardy was yesterday morning. He said he acted as their leader, but taught them not to do as they were told. He sealed his own fate. He said the judgment day are now all equals. Yeah, you're all losers. You're all losers. So let me get this straight. They would rather be all equals, meaning equals as losers, instead of having somebody who leads them like Edge, who is a legend and a fucking Hall of Famer. They don't want to be led and taught by Edge. They would rather be all equals. Losers. Is that what, they, is that what Damian Priest is telling me? Some explanation there, Bruce. Why don't you add more fucking bullshit to the teleprompter that they were clearly reading from? He said, the Judgment Day are now all equals. Ripley called the fans in Kansas half-witted. Yeah, this fucking promo, whoever wrote this fucking promo, is also half-witted. He said, Bel Air sounds like she's trying to convince herself that she's the EST. Ripley said she had her teeth knocked loose last week and she loved it. She said she took what she wanted, and now she's first in line for the championship. She said at Money in the Bank, she will eradicate her and walk the walk of a two-time Raw women's champion. This entire shit sucks. This group is dead to rights, and Bianca Belair is as boring as anybody as a babyface, man. She's fallen hard as a babyface. She doesn't sound good at all. I'm tired of it, actually. I think Belair needs a fucking uh, uh, from babyface to heel turn. That's what I think she needs. Let's turn Becky back to a babyface and get her her old hair back and turn Bianca into a fucking heel. I think that would play out very well. This shit sucks. Mustafa Ali. He left catering and left main event to come to Monday Night Raw and lose in three minutes to Chad Gable because of a distraction by Otis. Great job there, Vince. When are you giving Ali his fucking termination papers? That's what I'd love to know. I'm sure he'd love to know as well. You got guys like Ali and Champ on the roster, and this is what they do to guys like Ali and Tommaso Champa, man. But, you know, the WWE, they really appreciate the fucking talent that they have employed, right? Veer Mahan versus Rey Mysterio. Is this over? I, I certainly hope so. Veer squashed Rey Mysterio in four minutes. Four minutes. I hope to God this is all over. Mahan missed the charge, went shoulder first into the ring post. He stopped selling so he could beat up Dominic on the outside, booted him in the face, clotheslined him into the timekeeper's area. Ray tried to take advantage as Mahan re-entered, but Mahan hit an awkward-looking gut buster and applied, which looked bad, and applied a cervical clutch and Ray tapped out quickly. Veer Mahan. There you go. Veer Mahan wins. What's next for Veer Mahan? I don't know. You know, I'm quite the fan of Veer Mahan. I think Veer's great. I don't think WWE's creative for Veer is great, but I hope that they know what they're doing with Veer Mahan. They got something in Veer. The potential is there. The fuck are you doing with its potential? Nothing. Nothing. Just like everybody else. Theory. And Bobby Lashley had a fucking pose down that was overseen by Adam Pierce. Pierce explained the rules. They each had three poses to do a double bicep, side chest, and most muscular. Theory tried to take the segment over, but Pierce told him to stop posing or else he would disqualify him. Oh, please, you would have done all of us a favor, Mr. Pierce. 
Theory did his poses and Lashley sarcastically applauded. Ha, 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 ha. Now get off the podium, kid. Let me show you how it's done. Lashley told him he'd beat him in the pose down and beat him in the ring and take the United States title. I wish you'd beat me in the fucking middle of the ring so I don't have to watch this fucking bullshit main event Monday Night Raw. Lashley did his poses. Theory asked the crowd to cheer for the winner and they cheered for Lashley. Theory responded by squirting what looked to be water. They called it baby oil. It was water. In Bobby Lashley's face and in his eyes, Theory drop kicked him out of the ring and posed with the title belt as referees checked on Lashley. So now we know, we now have an inside glimpse as to what Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard masturbate to at 3 o'clock in the morning. We now have Vince McMahon and Bruce, Pr- Bruce Prichard's fetishes play out on live TV in Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory, posing a pose-off for the United States title. It's quality television. Tell me how you are not giving a shit about what you're putting on television because of the NBA Finals without actually telling me you don't give a shit. This show is fucking garbage. Garbage. Austin Theory looked like he should should be popping out of a fucking cake as a fucking male stripper. He looks like he should be on stage fucking dancing with Chippendale dancers, man. This is what Vince McMahon wants us to think about Austin Theory. Great job. Great job. Yeah, you're going to bring in John Cena to help aid in this guy's progression, right? Give me a fucking break. Weirdest fucking sick shit on Monday Night Raw. This is your, this is, and people legitimately told me that this was a good episode of Monday Night Raw. Jesus fucking Christ, man. I don't even want to know what your daily activities are, man. You are mired in mediocrity. I don't live in mediocrity, man. I only strive to be the best, and I try to give myself the very best, man. Give me a fucking break with this shit. This shit is fucking awful. Absolutely terrible. Guys, thank you very much for all your support. 2400, number one in the community. I mean, as always, I mean, who the fuck are you going to go watch? Who are you going to go watch, man? Give me a break. 2400 in the venue. I need a little bit more than 50, man. 57 likes for 1,000 likes minimum. If you guys are in the chat, have not hit the thumbs up. Hit that thumbs up, man. Helps me out tremendously. Get those super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show, which is right now. We'll drink our cold beverages. We'll hang out. We'll talk. We'll bullshit. We'll have a good time. We'll enjoy ourselves because Monday Night Raw is over, man. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other videos on the channel if you missed anything on the channel. Also, hit up my sponsor for today's show, man, Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. Link is down below in the description. John Mox has an autobiography, audiobook coming out tomorrow, man. You guys can get it for free on me. Nine hours of John Moxley narrating his autobiography, Mox. You guys can get it for free using my link, audibletrial.com slash scripts. Go and check that out. Go get your t-shirts, bonfire.com, man. Let's start selling these t-shirts out, man. Seriously, go get your t-shirts. I got a trip to Chicago to pay for, man. I got to come see you guys in Chicago. How do you think I'm paying for my way to Chicago, man? Bonfire. 
Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off the Script. Plus, that's a fucking sick design, man. Come on now. Go get that design exclusively on Bonfire. Love those guys over there, man. Salrex and the team at Bonfire really made that design look great. Also, make sure you guys hit that join button, man. I got no new members tonight. No new members. You guys don't want to be a part of of the VIP club. Why is this? It's the place to be. Hit that join button. Become a VIP right here on OTS, man. Let's start at the top. We got Johnny Angel. Johnny Angel with three super chats. 199, 199, and 499. Johnny Angel, you got some fucking problems, bro, but thank you for the super chats. Do you like Star Wars? No. I'm more of a Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter guy. I like my, uh, <coughs> wizards. Life moves pretty fast. Johnny Angel also said, would you please remove your hat? No. You could miss no. I don't remove my hat. Maybe in bed with your mother, but no, I don't remove my hat otherwise. And Johnny Angel also with a 499 Super Chat. Don't listen to the hate from Alexa Bliss and Braun. You are amazing, JD. Also, do you think, do you like the song Your Woman by White Town? Uh, Johnny Angel, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you didn't get the memo, bro. Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss have nothing to do with me and what I do here. And no, I never heard of Your Woman by White Town, but I'll, st- I'll steal yours any given night, man. And I'll have her make me an old-fashioned, homemade. And then I'll show her the old-fashioned in bed. Thank you, Johnny Angel. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Heyman's stick foreshadows Roman losing a belt soon. Yes, Roman's losing a belt and should lose a belt to Drew McIntyre. Michelle Moran also with a $2 super chat. Who did AJ piss off to be losing so much? I don't know. I don't know what happened to AJ, man. AJ should be one of Roman's major, major opponents when he moves over to Monday Night Raw to defend that title. I don't understand why AJ is not better off in WWE. Anthony Olivares with a $10 super chat. Hey, yo. Sabu talked about the old ECW and the crappy WWE ECW. And how he was supposed to win the ECW title before Punk. Not knowing if that was true or not. Just being around the legend was priceless. I don't know why you would doubt Sabu, man. Sabu is ECW. Maybe what he was talking about is legit. And everything that he talked about was supposed to happen. CC Steven with a $10 super chat. Hi, JD. In your opinion, why do you think WWE so carelessly released certain talent, such as Paige and Tony Storm, but is being spiteful with Naomi and Sasha? Paige can still add value to any roster. Cece, I, I, I am tired. I am tired of even wrapping my head around these, these questions. I, I don't know. How they tried to embarrass Tony Storm and did not value and see what they had in Tony Storm. Tony Storm is one of the most beautiful women in all of pro wrestling and could have easily been exactly what they were looking for in every aspect. 
She had the look. She had the social media presence. Beautiful. She's great in the ring. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. I guess she was a Triple H gal at the end of the day. We don't have any use for you here because you were on Paul Levesque's team. I don't know what's going on with Naomi. I don't know what's going on with Sasha. I hope their contracts are really coming due. And I hope both of them walk and really teach WWE a lesson. Dynamite Black with the Canadian $5 Super Chat. Well, ratings might be lower for AEW tomorrow since game one of the Stanley Cup Finals is tomorrow. Avalanche versus Lightning. I don't care. As long as the Rangers lost, I don't care. Jesse says, Tony Storm was definitely a foot above the rest. This fucking guy, man. Why are you even here, bro? Don't you have grinding on Destiny to do? Golden Boy with a nine-month membership. Thank you, brother. JD, it's awesome to listen to you, man. You are the GOAT. I know. I know. And deserve to be recognized as that. I know. I know, Golden Boy. Also, just wanted to let you know that Albies broke his foot tonight. He can join CM Punk in the road to recovery, man. Hopefully he's not out long. Theo with a $40 super chat. Thank you, Theo. And we just hit 1,000 likes. Thank you, guys. JD, hope your weekend was great. Hey, do you see Edge forming his own group against Judgment Day? If so, who do you see him getting in his group? No. No. I don't see Edge joining or forming a group at all. If anything... WWE could really play into the fact that John Cena's coming back. I'd have John Cena and Edge go at each other. I think that's what needs to be done. John Cena, Edge at SummerSlam. That's what I would do anyway. Or maybe Team John Cena and Edge. Or Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Something like that. I don't know. I want to see Cena break Flair's record so they can finally put him in the Hall of Fame. John Cena's going in the Hall of Fame regardless, Theo. Joseph Taylor with a two-dollar super chat. Omos blocked you on Twitter. Are you okay? LOL. Yes, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. I'm not going to lose sleep over Omos blocking me on social media. Bradley Robinette with a 199 super chat. Jeff Hardy's career is over in wrestling. Accept it. I know you're not telling me to accept it. You're going to tell that to the other people thinking that he's going to come back. They have to accept it. Gregory Benson with a 999 Super Chat. Hardy needs to get himself cleaned up ASAP or he's going to end up where Sonny is or worse because this is freaking ridiculous and at this point wrestling should be the farthest thing from his mind. I absolutely agree with you, Gregory Benson. No doubt about it. Leaf and Crown with a Canadian $20 Super Chat. Plan ahead for a safe ride home before you start to drink. Designate a driver, stay overnight, use public transit, call a friend or a family member for a ride. Don't be afraid to call 911 and report a suspected impaired driver. Leaf and Crown, laying down the fucking law. 
Can't give it a 20, brother. The Bestardo with a $5 Super Chat. JD, some woman looking like an addict out back at your patio bar wants Azima. Oh, wait, it's Becky Lynch. Oh, and Vince says you need to smile more. OTS Bay Bay. The Bestardo, if I ever have Zima in my bar, I want you to revoke my fucking bar license. I want you to revoke my liquor license, bro. Do they even make Zima anymore? Riley Johnson with an I-99 Super Chat. Since Cody Rhodes is out, what if Rollins wins the Money in the Bank briefcase and cashes in on Roman and wins? Cody returns to the Royal Rumble and wins setting up Rollins versus Rhodes for remaining for the titles. No. No. Roman is going to carry one of those titles into WrestleMania and he's going to lose to Cody Rhodes. That's the story. Now, more than likely, that won't happen because that's what should happen. And more than likely, what is going to happen is what you just told me. Yes. But no. There were four 911 calls about Jeff Hardy. Issa, where did you hear that story? Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. Damn, JD, your Braves have won 12 straight games. You know it, man. 12 straight. I see people complaining. Oh, but, but they played garbage teams, man. Yes, and, and the Mets played the Angels, who lost, what, 14 in a row? Come on, is that Let me see if, that even, if that's even correct. Doesn't matter who the Braves are playing, man. Winning 12 in a row in baseball is fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous! I don't know. Somebody tells me they lost 14 in a row. That's probably guaranteed it's not true, but. The Angel, my Angels lost 14 straight. Is that true? They lost 14 in a row? Yeah, but the Mets played them, though. Issa is texting me. Let's see this. Wrestling Inc. Post Wrestling also found more details from Trooper Zack Steiner's arrest report. Hardy was traveling along I-95 in a white Dodge Charger when Steiner pulled him over. And according to the police report, arrested Hardy without incident. The report also notes that four nine one one calls were placed about the Dodge Charger's reckless driving. Unreal. Absolutely unreal, man. Corey Jackson with the four nine nine super chat. Rey Mysterio on the cover of WW two K twenty two and getting squashed week in and week out. Where they do that at? Oh, yeah, WWE, of course. OTS for life. Yeah, Rey Mysterio is being squashed just like the fucking game, and the game died in two weeks. Jerry Ramey with a $10 Super Chat. JD, key to success. Vince leans on a nobodies like Johnny Ace, Bruce, and TK works and listens to acknowledged legends like Sting and Arn. 
Joseph King, what is your opinion of the Switchblade Jay White? He's fucking great. I was not a fan of Jay White, man. This was years ago. He's transformed himself into one of the best in the industry, man. And what a promo coming out of Dominion. What a fucking promo. Adam Johnston with the Canadian $10 Super Jack. Great stuff as usual. Appreciate your rant on Jeff Hardy. I can attest to a... Uh, I can attest as a cyclist being hit by a driver at expired license last fall, Jeff needs to be punished. Yeah. He needs to be punished to the full extent of the law and by AEW. Which already seems to be in effect because Time Warner or Warner Media has dropped the edict on AEW. Pulling Jeff Hardy from all advertisements. Paul Jackson with the $5 Super Chat. Are you familiar with the band Death Angel? Yes, I am. I've seen Death Angel twice in concert. I recommend their cover of Heaven and Hell. Don't be surprised to see the Blue Reunion vs. Judgment Day. Oh, God. Yeah, why don't we get the Edgeheads back in? Why don't we bring in fucking uh, Hawkins and Ryder, man? Chelsea with the Canadian $2 Super Chat. Best place to be. Number one in the IWC. OTS for life. Thank you, Chelsea. Adam Johnston with a $5 Canadian Super Chat. P.S. Thanks for keeping me entertained while I was recovering last fall and winter. I am back cycling every day now. OTS for life. You got it, brother. Justin Strippen with a $4.99 Super Chat. Great review as always. You're the best. Also, congrats on your Atlanta Braves winning that 12th straight game tonight. Johnny Angel, 199 Super Chat. Want to get dinner? No. No, I do not. No, I do not. Unless you're Issa and Destiny, I don't want to go get dinner. AEW Mark 2018, $2 Super Chat. Lucha Brothers can't wrestle at Forbidden Door. Thanks. C-M-L-L. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. Rich Gamble with a $4.99 Super Chat. What's up, JD and OTS fam? Hope Jeff Hardy gets the help he needs and deserves. Yes. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. Jeff is heading down the path of self-destruction. Diego Flores with a $2 Super Chat. I'm going to try and see Sean's viewers JD in a flex-off. No. Absolutely not. Guys, that's all I got for you, man. That's all I got for you. We had one hell of a show tonight, man. I may have to clip that Jeff Hardy rant. Put it on uh put it on the TikTok for all the youngsters out there. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you all very much. Thank you for all the super chats. Thank you for the new membership. Who became a new member today, man? Eddie Polking becomes a new member. Eddie, thank you so much, brother. How the fuck did I miss that? Eddie Polking becomes a member in the VIP club, bro. I'm just revving up the Mustang here. We're about to get the fuck out of here, man. I appreciate you guys very much, man. Go check out all the other content on the channel, man. We got... Off the script, 433. That's live yesterday. Sunday night, the light. OTS 433. It's on the channel right now. Also, 
on all audio platforms as well. Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Blue Wire. I'm a Blue Wire podcast partner, man. The home of Chris Van Vliet is also the home of JD. Go check that out. Hit that thumbs up. Continue hitting that thumbs up. Let's try for uh, 1,500 likes on today's Monday Night Raw review. Make sure you guys continue to hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. I may have more extra tomorrow, depending on the situation, depending on the news. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the daily extras, man. I'm not wrestle geeks pumping out fucking four videos a day, but I do what I can. Go get your t-shirts, man. Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off the Script. Go get your audio book, man. Mox coming out in audio format tomorrow. AudibleTrial.com slash script. Link is down in the description below. I'll be announcing on social media the meetup in Chicago for Forbidden Door, man. Airbnb booked five minutes from the United Center. I'm paying out the ass, but I'll be there. I'll be at Forbidden Door. Tickets, media, venue, all secured. I'll be announcing that on social media. At JD from NY206 on Twitter and Instagram. And I'll see you guys tomorrow, man. Make sure you guys in the chat, I need two things from me. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Mustang emojis for my VIPs. And I need that fucking music on max, man. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for a great night. And I'll be back live with Jesse on Wednesday for AEW Dynamite right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.